Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television. Bass Edge TV is on Wild TV in Canada uh, currently and the Versus Network January through June. I am Aaron Martin and joining me filling in for Outdoors Dan is the BassEdge.com editor Steve Brigman. Steve, great to, great to have you here. It's great to be here, Aaron. It's always great to come talk to you on the edge and uh, and visit with our listeners. Uh, you know, I love you, partner, and uh, I don't want you to take this wrong, but when I walked outside today and saw how beautiful this weather was, finally this dead gum hot summer's <laughs> coming to a close. Uh, I kind of kind of made me want to throw my rod and reel in the uh, in the back of the pickup, but but no, it's great to be here. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. You know, later we're going to be speaking with Brian Snowden, and then we'll have a final round of product interviews uh, from out at ICAST in Las Vegas. Don't forget, we will also be answering uh, this week's listener email question and give away some great prizes to this week's lucky winner. It's all right here. Listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here, I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, we have an exciting show lined up today. Uh, again, as Steve Brigman joins us in in uh, place of Outdoors Dan. as uh, I guess he's living up to his name today, Steve. As, Dan is outdoors, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and and we're indoors, and, and that's okay. I mean, I, I'm glad to be here. Uh, you know, I, I know Dan's out hunting, and... Uh, uh, I'm sort of anxious to uh, talk to him when he gets back and, and hear some good stories about uh, what went out out in the woods, but I guess maybe another way I don't want to hear it. Yeah, he's. I'm, I'm ready for some fall <laughs> myself. Right. Well, I do think I think he's somewhere north, uh, so it's probably the humidity is probably a lot less, and and I know he's currently filming for for his television show, Outdoors Tradition TV. So we miss him, but uh, you know we kind of have. Uh, had full run of the show here. So that's a little scary. <laughs> that's it, it's frightening. Yeah, it's frightening. And uh, you know, uh, I hope I hope I can live up to the to the uh, outdoor Dan uh, quality because he does a great job. He with does. The show. He does. But so. uh, but but this is going to be fun. Uh, it, it looks like I came on a great day. Yeah, it's it's uh, we've got a great show. You know, um, it's hard to believe that that summer has has flown by as quickly as what it has. I know a lot of the school districts, uh, a lot of the kids are back back in school and you know i just got back from the studio which is hard to believe it it really almost felt a little surreal to be back in you know preparing for season two time flies when you're having fun that's right and i know that you guys have been out uh, shooting some episodes and we've had some uh, some great fishing trips and, and and seen some beautiful parts of the country and uh and there's much more of that to come but uh yeah it's been a it's been kind of a hot summer but uh you know i've i've, I've gotten out there and so and what have you been up to well uh a lot of things you know i was down in arkansas last week uh, down at eureka springs and uh, eureka for for you guys out there you might might consider this it's a it's uh there's just a ton of antique shopping kind of neat places to be but it's absolutely surrounded by all kinds of fishing and uh and of course uh and and of course i stayed in a haunted hotel down there did you well we went down there uh oh it's probably been two years ago i guess and stayed in a haunted hotel did you get 
Did you get any ghosts to wake you up? Well, you know, no. We're waking up at de- at, at, at and to be on the lake at daybreak or to be on the Buffalo River, just one of my favorite places. I'm an old river rat. And then we were striper fishing on Beaver Lake from like 7 in the evening till 2.30. So uh, I was a tired boy. I, it would have taken some pretty loud uh, chain rattling to, to wake me up. So what uh, what were you targeting the stripers with? Uh, we were downrigging uh, with Joe Fargus down there, and uh, we were downrigging uh, model A type baits. Kind of, it's kind of a throwback in the way he fishes the way that I know that uh, I first uh, started fishing for stripers at Lake Texoma in Texas. But uh, uh, but we we the stripers they made us work for it. But finally, we caught some really nice fish yeah. down there. Those stripers, man, that is just that's a phenomenal fish to catch. I mean, they will just puts you to your knees when you whenever you hook up on them well it is and of course beaver's known for his just enormous stripers and and of course you know it's like lake fort uh down in texas where i was the week before you know you kind of get messed up on what's a good fish you know uh-huh. uh down there they say well we only caught a few six or seven pounders well it's kind of the same at beaver lake uh, we caught uh, some 13, 15 to 17 pound type fish, and, and the guide acts a little disappointed that we didn't get a 30 pounder. Well, let me tell you, I was thrilled to yeah. catch those fish. Sure, sure. Now you do a lot of uh, a lot of floating, fishing out of smaller boats, and uh, like you said, being a river rat. Um, what's what's some of the trends and, and techniques that you're doing right now on the rivers? You know, during all this hot weather and, and things like that. Well, you know, the hot weather on our rivers is is the hardest time is the hardest time to fish. Uh, uh, especially we've got and you've got different types of rivers the buffalo is not a spring-fed river it's just a watershed river so it gets very low and stagnant and and i like to look for areas there after the riffles where the where the flow of the river is putting new oxygen into uh into into the water uh and those fish will really group up there it, it makes it a good time of year to fish in that the, in that they uh, and that it's it's easy to locate active fish, but then, uh, but then if you're floating, it, there'll be a lot of of dead water. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so 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 there's a trade off there. And I love fishing in a current. I, I just think it's something that uh, uh, I think fish are more opportunistic in a, in a current situation. They, uh, uh, you know, it's like if that big old giant crawfish comes comes drifting by he's going to snag it because he might because he doesn't know when he's going to see another one so i think it's a very opportunistic bite and uh and i think it's easy to predict where those fish are behind that structure behind that current break near that current where he can stand there not use too much energy behind that rock and then dart out to get that chow as it it comes floating down the river well and the beautiful thing about that is i know you know because that's really where i cut my teeth at that even if you're fishing from the bank, you know, you find one of those those spots like you're speaking of that has that current, you know, those fish are grouped up. You don't have to walk the, the you know, the whole river to, to try and get bit. Yeah, and of course here in the Ozarks, you know, it's smallmouth. And I have a real uh, lifetime love affair with that with that little brown rascal. I, I love smallmouth bass fishing. And these river fish are, you know, I believe in, in that... I believe they're a little bit more muscular fish because they live in a current right. all the time. Yeah. And when you hook one, and of course we use light tackle here uh, for the most part and uh, and do some fly fishing. When you hook one of these fish, you're hooking a very strong, active fish in uh, in, in, in often in a current. So uh, you get your money's worth. Def- no doubt, no doubt. And they're always fun. I don't care what 
what is on the end of your line. It doesn't matter, and that's that's the great thing about rivers is you can always catch multiple species of not only bass, but then you factor in the goggle eye and the perch and different species of those. It's a lot of fun. Well, we need to take a short break, and when we come back, we will have Brian Snowden, which is a veteran BASS elite angler, and some other good stuff right here on The Edge. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, we are back on the edge and joined by veteran elite BASS pro Brian Snowden. Brian, thanks so much for being part of the edge today. Well, Aaron, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to speak with several people on the on the bass edge today. Yeah, the uh, you know we're, I don't know if it's been as hot where you are, but man, this summer has just been some intense heat. Now it seems like everything waited until August to, for summer to show its face, but it's definitely gotten with it. Yeah, we uh, actually had an event up at the Potomac where uh, you know the average temperature was over 100, and we just got back from uh, Lake Dardanelle where that temperature was between 98 and 104. So. Uh, I definitely know uh, what you're feeling, and uh, it has definitely been a hot summer. Well, and I guess, you know, with that being said, you get to uh, here in the next couple of weeks, on the 10th, I guess, exactly, you'll you'll start your first day of practice down in the, the nice, cool uh, area of Toho, huh? Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, I'd rather be down there in March or December. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it's still going to be pretty hot, and uh, just hopefully the, the hydrillonets won't be out in full force. Yeah. Uh, usually they are, but... Uh, you know, Toho is a great place to fish. I, I enjoy it down there. It's uh, definitely a, a different type of fishery than uh, what you and I encounter in these highland reservoirs where we live up in Missouri. But, uh, you know, I, I enjoy going down there. I have, uh, have a lot of good friends that, I've, that actually have moved from this area and live down there now. So I get to see quite a few of them and uh, just uh, enjoy the change. You know, lots of vegetation and uh, lots of different things to throw at. certainly adds a, a lot of different elements, you know. And, and with that being said, you know, how big of a being here in the heat of the summer, you know, to where it's just it's been bearing down pretty much anywhere that you're at in in the continental United States. But you know, we're, September is one of those kind of one of those transitional months um, to where the fish start doing some some different things. Can you talk a little bit about you know how does that play into trying to find fish when you're going from summer pattern and getting ready to go into fall? Well, the good thing about September is. Uh there's going to be some active shallow fish starting to move around, and, uh, you know, that's definitely a plus because uh, most of the summer the fish tend to stay out deep. But the shadows start grouping up in the end of September. What I like to do is, you know, I really try and key in on areas that have those shad grouped together because, uh, you know, it just seems to make the bass a little more active, and uh, you can kind of follow those shad. You know, they'll start schooling up on some of the main lake points, and you can kind of follow them as, uh, as the fall takes place back into some of the major creeks that are on the on the reservoirs around here so do you will you shift you know this time of year heading into that do you do you shift your tactics and your techniques to where you start going more shallow focused yes i do you know i I will still still fish deep some because there's still quite a few fish out deep especially in the early fall like what we're what we're talking about like you know late september mid-september into the first part of october but as, uh, you know, the water temperature continues to cool, there will be more and more active fish shallow. And, and uh, you know, I definitely try and 
start targeting some of those fish. But uh, you definitely still need to have your deep arsenal, especially in the highland lakes around here. You know, one thing I will do is change from, say, a drop shot rig to more of a spoon or actually a slow rolling a bigger three-quarter ounce spinnerbait underneath those shad because, you know, the fish are kind of keying in more on the on shad, so you want, want a bait that really resembles a shad, kind of acts like a shad either dying or, you know, working the bait through those shad. And, uh, you know, the, the spoon is a great bait. It's been around for a long, long time. And uh, it catches fish, you know, really well in September and October. So when, you, when you're throwing the spoon, are you fishing that more vertically, or are you making a, a cast presentation and just doing a countdown? You know, I'll do both. Uh, if the fish are out 25 to 30 feet, you know, and the balls of shatter are above them and they're in 15 to 20, I'll do a vertical presentation. Um, or I will use the three-quarter ounce spinnerbait and try and cast if, if, if I know that they're in, say, the center of a creek or the gut of a creek. I'll try and cast that big spinnerbait and let it fall to, say, 10 to 15 feet, and then I'll slowly reel it back. Um, but, yeah, the spoon, if they're, if they're out in that 25 to 30 feet, I, I still like to fish that vertically. So when, you, when you're targeting those fish with, with the spinnerbait, is there a particular weight uh, of spinnerbait that you like to throw more, more so than others? You know, that varies on the on the depth of the shad. You know, later in the year, as the water cools, they'll get even shallower and farther back to the creek, so you might only need a half ounce. But most of the time, it's a half ounce with, say, small blades, like a, a number three and a number four willow leaf, or a three-quarter ounce with a, a single willow leaf is really what I prefer. And I like to use, say, a four to a number five willow leaf. And then any particular color on the skirt or... You just kind of keep it, a, you know, depending on water clarity, you'll, you'll vary from a, just a solid white to, say, more of the salt and pepper translucent colors, of, you know, like a smoke with a little bit of blue in it or just salt and pepper with maybe a little green. Or those those seem to be, you know, pretty pretty good colors for table rock bowl shows. You know, grand, you'd use a little more of a, of a white colored spinnerbait or like in the Ozarks. You know, in, in talking about kind of, you know, heading into the fall, there's, there's kind of this phenomenon that takes place, you know, across the country um, with regards to lake turning over, uh, you know, water water turning over. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that plays into kind of trying to find those fish and getting them active to bite? Well, turnover can be a very difficult time. And, you know, what's happening is uh, the water stratified during the summer. There's colder water below and the warmer water is on top. And when the water temperature kind of equalizes, there's an effect that, that that happens and it causes the water to mix from the, the colder water that's on the bottom mixes with the cooler water that's on the surface. And so what happens is when that breaks apart, the thermocline breaks apart, you've got dissolved oxygen throughout the water column instead of before you had it just above the thermocline or right at the thermocline. And so what that does is scatters fish. And uh, that's one of the major problems like on table rock. When that happens, you have fish that used to only be in 35 feet are now coming out of, you know, 40 and 50 feet, and you've got fish that are in 4 or 5 feet because, the you know, basically the water quality and the oxygen content are very similar throughout the body of water or throughout the water column. And what that what that means is, you know, the fish are really hard to predict where they're going to be because they can be in 3 or 4 feet or they can be in 50 feet. And, you know, my experience has been, you know, with that, that it's, it's not necessarily that the fish won't bite. It's just more of a... I almost kind of relate it to, to post-spawn, you know, when fish are coming off the beds and that, it just seems like they're, they're a little bit harder to, to track down or, or find. You know, do you have any kind of 
tips, I guess, to, to help us out with regards to trying to narrow that down to, to create, <laughs> turn those fish into biting? Well, one thing, I, you know, the, the best thing I can do is, and the easiest thing to do is to move to a different area. You know, usually a lake will turn over in kind of sections, so you can kind of move, move out of an area that has turnover, and that'll help. But if the lake is, you know, pretty much in the full swing of turnover and, and uh, the fish are scattered, I like to use, you know, a search bait, either uh, something like a crankbait or a spinnerbait, something that can cover water until I kind of key in on what depth the, the majority of the fish are. And a lot of times with turnover, it'll bring some color to the water. So the fish that are shallower, especially on lakes like Bull Shoals, Table Rock, and Beaver, they'll be a little easier to catch. So you might not have to fish quite as deep, and uh, you can cover a little more water with a crankbait. You know, something that runs uh, between 8 and 12 feet of water um, mm-hmm. would be a good suggestion. Uh, just kind of start with them. You know, start on um, secondary points and uh, main lake points because during the turnover, they're not going to be way back in the creeks, but they're going to still be, you know, because it's, it's happening right at the beginning of, of fall. So just, you know, kind of still stay toward, toward the main lake. And then what about as far as, you know, when you get into smaller smaller bodies of water, um, let's say, you know, ponds and, and things like that, do you think, in your opinion, is the, is the turnover, is it better to happen all at once? Does it really, is it more or less insignificant? Um, and are those fish, can you still catch those fish? You can definitely still catch those fish. And I think, you know, in smaller lakes where it happens um, throughout the lake in a very short period of time, I think it gets, you know, once it's, taking place, I think in two or three days the fishing becomes better just because of the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's over, the turnovers happen, and uh, just like you were saying about post-spawn fish, you know, after a few weeks of spawning, you know, they're tired and ready to, you know, they're, they're ready to recover, and uh, they're just not real aggressive. So if it happens, the turnover actually takes place and it's quick, uh, say in a smaller pond or a smaller body of water, you know, those fish are going to adjust and go about their business and move on, you know, to the fall, more of a fall pattern, quicker than, say, in, in, a, in a larger reservoir. So the recovery time is a lot less. Right. I, I definitely believe it's a lot less. Um, you know, instead of three or four weeks, you might have a week where fishing's a little off. Right, right. You know, and then what about um, oftentimes when you start, as the, as the shad begin really starting to move and, and come in out of the depths and that, you start sh- seeing these long, you know, schools of shad that just kind of follow the creek or follow the the uh, the river channel that's starting to work towards the backs. You know, how do you approach when you have so many bait fish that's hanging out in that area? You know, h- how do you defend against that? I guess. Well, the big key is you know you definitely have to try and find balls. Of, you want to find bait fish that are school tight. You know, tightly balled bait fish. Even if there's a lot of them, usually mean there's predators in the area. You know, it might be gar, it might be, you know, it could be a number of things, everything from, a, you know, crappie to a bass. But as long as they're in those tight, I look for, you know, tighter schools of fish, not just hundreds of them on the surface of the water or a big, like you were saying, a big line that's just constant throughout the uh, entire creek channel or throughout the cove. You know, you want stuff that's, you know, isolated groups of, of balls of shad. Even if they're as large as, say, a bass boat, you know, if they're in a ball and then there's, you know, areas where there's no shad, you know that something's been or, or is chasing those fish around. And, then, you know, that's one thing I look for. And then a lot of times with the electronics we have nowadays, 
you can really pinpoint what's below those shad, you know, if there's actually, you know, feeding fish moving around through those shad. And then, you know, do you think that those, say if that those balls of shad, do they normally, will they normally hold for several days, or is it just kind of one of those deals to where they're there one day and gone the next? Well, it seems to me more like uh, one day they're grouped up real tight, and you'll catch fish, say, out of, uh, say, if you're in uh, Schooner Creek, a table rock. One day those fish will be grouped up in balls, and you'll catch some fish beneath those. And then the next day they might be uh, spread out. There's still going to be shad in the area, but it doesn't seem like there's much activity, or the shad are not grouped up in balls, and there's not not, not many uh, fish chasing those shad. So it definitely, you know, it varies from day to day on, on which areas are going to be, you know, the most productive. Some days, uh, you know, you might hit two or three back ends of the pocket without anything, and then the very next one you hit, you might catch four or five keepers. So do you think that the uh, the fish that are, or the bass that are in there, are those resident fish, or are they there predominantly just because the shad moved in? I would say about 50% of the time, or 50% of the fish in that area are resident fish, and then there's some that fall over from the main lake. But there's always going to be resident fish, you know, in a creek, as long as it has... Uh, you know, some cover, you know, and some sort of water depth that's, you know, year-round. There's going to be fish that live in those creeks in, in all of our lakes year-round. Brian, here in our, our last few minutes and just kind of step away from this, uh, can you give us a little teaser? You know, you and I are going to have the opportunity to fish together in 2008 uh, down on Bull Shoals. Uh, can you give us a little little teaser of, of what we might be able to expect down there? Is it going to be, are we going to be predominantly targeting smallmouth or... Uh, you know, I think we're actually getting to do the fill there, and I think it, it's going to be a you know pretty good largemouth and some smallmouth. I think we'll be able to catch uh, fish, you know, up shallow, um, in less than 15 feet of water on spinnerbaits, crankbaits, um, maybe even some buzzbaits. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Bull Shoals can be a, a great fall lake, and uh, at the time we're going to be there, I think it'll, um, a little bit depends on weather conditions. You know, hopefully maybe one of the days we're out we'll get a cloudy day, and then... Uh, you know, we'll see the the buzz baits and the you know maybe a czar spook a little bit, but definitely I think a spinnerbait and a crankbait, and you can never forget the small jig. You know, these areas the the five sixteenth and seven sixteenth ounce jigs with the zoom critter craw um, just mimics the crayfish around here so well. Um, you can always catch some fish on those just about here around. Well, Brian, I know I'm certainly excited because I know uh, you're originally from that area. And it, regardless, it's going to be a great time, but I'm certainly looking forward to getting to experience uh, Bull Shoals' beautiful lake and also a great fishery. But, uh, hey, I just want to thank you. It's It's been a pleasure having you on the edge and, and just a, a world of information concerning here, this transition that we're getting ready to go out of summer and, and on into the fall. So we wish you best of luck down at Toho. And, Look forward to having you back again soon. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you having me on the show. The more that I talk with that that individual, I mean, he just amazes me at, at some of the stuff that he brings to the table. I, th- I just thought that was a really good interview. Yeah, yeah, and Brian is also one of the real nice guys out there on the tour. I, I love talking to him because he takes such a cerebral he has such a cerebral approach to fishing, and, and I always learn something like. You know, I loved hearing him talk about uh, summer transition and lake turnover. Well, and, you know, the lake turnover, that's one of the things I can always remember uh, growing up trying to, you know, to get my hands or grasp around bass fishing. Is when that, that September, you know, time frame, that transitional period, lake turnover hit, you know, it was just like, man, now what in the world? 
do you do? And he brought up some very, very good points. And one of the things that I really liked was when he talked about going to a different location on the lake, that not necessarily the whole lake doesn't turn over all at once. So if you're not finding that you're getting bit in those areas, you can go to a different area of the lake, and chances are it's either going to be before the turnover or the turnover's already happened. So, uh, you know, you can try your luck out that way also. Oh, that was great. And, you know, that's something that that, that I'd certainly heard before, but a lot of times when you hear these, these, these guys give tips, they just sort of remind you of something you haven't been doing. But I know in uh, up there in the Ozarks, in, in Brian in Brian's part of the country, it's really applicable to those long-fingered lakes and, uh, and, and like uh, Lake of the Ozarks, Bull Shoals, and Tabor Rock. Yeah, you know, you take uh, Lake of the Ozarks, it's 100 miles long. I mean, it's not all going to turn over at once. And the other thing that I found very interesting was his take on when he did the explanation of what a turnover is, about the thermocline actually breaking apart and then scattering you know, um, oxygen parts and, and pieces or whatever he called it, actually dissolved oxygen. By doing that, it scatters the oxygen and it also scatters the fish, which makes total sense. And I never realized that before of why are all these fish so scattered out. I know the water was, you know, stirred up, but I thought that was a really good point. Well, I think what he says there, too, is that you can catch fish during this time. And the turnover can be a very discouraging time for anglers. It can. It can. But the main thing is, you know, he focused in on locating those balls of shed and the fish are not going to be very far away. That, that's right. And, you know, also, just another point he hit on that I love is when he talked about catching fish, uh, he started talking about, of course, in his part of the country there in the Ozarks, on into October there were deep fish. And, and I know that when the fall comes and the pretty weather gets there, more anglers come out, and I think they tend to start fishing the bank. But all over the country, I think a lot of anglers miss the boat on that late deep water fall bite and 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 they don't stay out in that deep water late enough in the season and i think there's also a lot of very large fish out there that time well no question and and often those fish are less pressured um you know and the results that you get back and are certainly speak for themselves but i agree i mean mean, it goes back into what we've said before often there's always shallow fish and often there's always deep fish but don't give up on those deep fish before it's too too late you know we have a we have a story coming up in a couple of weeks on the uh on the internet on our website uh with rick loomis down in at lake fork texas and he talks about these very things Uh, our readers uh, could really get some value out of that and benefit greatly well we'll look forward to that right now we need to take another break and then we will be right back uh to give away i know it's one of dan's favorite sections but we're going to give away some stuff right after this Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge. It is, uh, it's time, Steve, to award this week's lucky winner. Well, I know this is Dan's part. This giveaway is Dan's favorite part of the show, and uh, and I like giving stuff away. I, but uh, I'd like to be on the receiving end also. Yeah, I, I, let, didn't, I didn't get you entered in this week. Y'all won't let me play. <laughs> so. Well, no, you know, I, I haven't peeked over here into the toy box, so uh, and I know you guys always give away good prizes, but... Uh, uh, but I haven't seen. What are we giving away this week? We're actually giving away the Season 1 box DVD set of Bass Edge, and uh, I think it actually includes up to, I think, seven or eight hours of extended coverage, and that goes out to Roy 
from North Carolina. So I'm sure Roy will enjoy those as much as we enjoyed making them. Uh, Roy's going to like those. Uh, you know, I, I still look. I've seen some of those three or four times, and I still look at them, and uh, I'm still enjoying them and, and still uh, still learning. You know, I can't get enough of Aaron Moore. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, All right, now you're starting to sound like Dan. <laughs> so. Okay, okay. Let's, let's move on to the question of the week. Uh, and we're going to do a little bit different this week, Aaron. Uh, you know, some questions just just come up over and over, and, and several of our listeners have asked you, what is your favorite lake to fish? Boy, I tell you, you know, why does it always seem that, like the best questions are the hardest for me to answer? You know, there's so many different bodies of water that are out there that we get to go. And, yeah, just, just so they have water and bass. Yeah. Well, actually, my yeah, my, my next fishing spot is my most favorite, so <laughs> it changes from, <laughs> from fishing trip to fishing trip. But no, in all seriousness... You know, I I would say one of them would be uh, I moved to Table Rock Lake in 2005, and the reason being is there that a just because of its beauty, great place to live, but also from the standpoint it holds all three species of bass, uh, the smallmouth, largemouth, and um, you know the spotted bass, and now it has uh, that the uh, the mean mouth. Um, but it also it has clear waters, it has rivers, offshore structures, really just anything that you want is there. So I have a lot of fun with that, but you know it can be very humbling sometimes as well. Um, I'd say next to that, you know, just because of my affinity for river systems, but then throwing just kind of an added extra little extra edge in there is the Potomac. It's a tidal system, you know, up there. Uh, well, actually, we're going there in, in season two, so it's going to be a great show. <laughs> Looking forward to that. You know, I was I was I was watching the movie the other night, The Old World, about uh, the founding of Jamestown, and and I was watching James Smith and his explorers. Uh, canoeing up there, up the river there, and I said, "Man, I, I bet that's where they fished." You yeah. know, buzz bait, buzz bait. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's such a neat experience because it's a river, you know, a navigable river, but it also has a tide. So when you get that current that's coming downstream, but you have an incoming tide, I mean, it just adds a whole different element to it. Plus, it's just rich with grass. It has a lot of creeks. I mean, everything that you want is right there. So that's that's a lot of fun, and I, and I know uh, that's going to be one of the hot shows for next next year. But the next one is going to be, you know, Lake. Erie and, and smallmouth need I say more you know it, that place just had they have some shoulders now oh man listen I talked to some of the camera guys when they came back and I tell you I'm pretty disappointed I didn't I didn't get I didn't go on that trip <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have to shoot there next year so I can go oh it's it's it is just great you know and I and I don't want to give too much away but all I can say is Sean Hernke did a great job of uh, of getting us getting us on some fish you know the next one is going to be Clark's Hill um, and that is there in Columbia County Georgia uh, blueback herring, you know, have a huge population of those. Makes you probably heard of that pencil popper and some of that top water action on those schooling fish that that takes place there. But it's it's lights out, and I mean, it's, of course, it's again a great area, but it also has some great great fish in it. Okay, so you picked a Ozark Highland Lake, a Virginia Tidewater River. Uh, a great lake and a southern impoundment. So you you pretty much just like yeah, it kinda, all. Yeah, I kind of narrowed that down. For <laughs> you you covered all the <laughs> covered all the bases. Right. So, but it, it, it's it, you know it's a lot of fun. It, it really is. Well, that that's a fun discussion to have, and uh, we got a lot more good stuff to give away, Aaron. So, uh, do, folks out there, don't forget to send in a question or comment, and we'll be placing our weekly drawing. Just send an email to podcast at BassEdge.com with your name and address in the body of the email. That's right. And uh, unfortunately, Steve, you are not going to be able to enter into that. But uh, we do wish all of our other listeners well, the you best know, of luck. I, I, I write. I have a pen there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to start uh, quantifying uh, uh, email addresses. But no, we need to take our final break. And when we get back, we will hear the final interviews uh, from out at the ICAST show in Las Vegas. 
You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. I'm here with uh, uh, David Gray of Art and Reels and at, at the uh, Art and booth at ICAST, and I'm seeing uh, several new products here. Uh, one is this Reel Butter. David, tell me about, about that product. Well, Steve, this is a uh, product we came out with a year ago, and, um, you know, if you're making reels, you go through a lot of oil and grease because you got to oil and grease every reel you make. And uh, we were using commercial-grade lubricants, and we decided that because we're such a performance-oriented company, we really want our reels and products to perform on the water, we could develop a better oil and grease for fishing reel use. So that's where Reel Butter came out of. We did a bunch of formulations. We tried it. We tested it. We kept changing it, and we're real proud of it. It, it is the best-selling, best-performing fishing reel oil out on the market. It's fully synthetic. It's made in the USA. It's got properties that were developed by us just for what a fishing reel does. It has very low viscosity, but it has very high surface tension. It's fully compatible with any other fishing reel oil, which is important. No matter what brand of reel you have, no matter what kind of oil is on it currently, this reel butter oil will not react with it, and you have to be concerned about that. Some oils will react with others. Okay, and I, and I see another product down here is your your reel clean. Just tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, that's something we came out with, you know, as, as anglers, and I've done this too over the years. You buy a reel, and people don't do normal maintenance to a reel for some reason. And like any mechanical device, the performance of that reel starts going down. You know, it doesn't cast as good, doesn't work as good. So you need to do normal maintenance, clean the gears and then re-oil them and grease them. We wanted to use a non-petroleum based degreaser because petroleum does dries with a film. So we came out with this. It's a degreaser. It'll take any kind of greaser oil off your reels. It's a citrus based, environmentally friendly, and it dries with no film or residue on it. Uh, it's available in a lot of stores now. You, uh, it's in a little pump spray can, very environmentally friendly. You can clean grease, old grease, gunk, oil off of your gears, your uh, bearings, and then re-oil them. I would imagine a lot of anglers out there are, unfortunately like me, that the real maintenance they get happens just when I go buy a new one. Uh, it's just something that uh, we probably don't do as much as we should have. Well, I sure agree with you, Steve, and that's why we came out with these products, thinking that if you do the normal maintenance and you make it easy for someone to do it, then your reels work better, you fish better, and you have a more rewarding day on the water. Um, we uh, also, like on our Arden reels, and I can show you here in a little bit, we've designed all of our casting reels to be extremely easy to disassemble and oil and grease. You know, it's kind of a, you go anywhere in North America, you ask any bass fisherman, what happens when you take a reel apart? Well, they either can't get it back together and they go see the reel repair guy, or they get it back together and it doesn't work right, so they go see the reel repair guy. Or they just throw it in a bag and leave it and go buy another reel. Well, we designed all of our reels, for instance, our XS series reels. You only take three screws out, 
Anybody can do it. The reel comes apart. You can oil and grease it and put it back together. Works perfect every time. Our new reel, the C400 aluminum frame casting reel, one screw is all you have to do. Take out one Phillips head screw. You can get to the gears and bearings to grease them and oil them, and it goes back together perfectly. My goodness. Now, you also have a, a, a cleaning kit that I'm, I'm going to assume has the real clean and the real butter products. So what else is in there? It's got everything you need to do normal greasing, oiling, and cleaning on, on reels. It, it contains uh, the real butter oil, real butter grease, a, a, a um, bottle of the real clean degreaser, includes a Phillips and a slotted screwdriver head, little cleaning brushes, swabs, and it includes a real, uh, a special cloth for wiping down your reel. So in one little kit, it includes everything you need for normal maintenance. Okay, let's move down the table here. I, I see we've got some uh, new high-capacity spools. Uh, now these spools work in any, these spools will adapt to any of your bait casting reels, is that right? Yep, that's correct. It's a new item for this coming year, but we designed it so it would fit in any casting reel that Arden has ever made and sold. And we came up with this idea because if you can see our new C400 reel fits in your hand like what they call the small 50 series size, the small reels. But a lot of anglers were telling us what they don't like about the small reels is they don't hold enough line. So we developed this reel to fit in your hand like a 50 series, but it has full size line capacity. Then we took that another step and we came up with this high capacity spool which interchanges into any of our reels. Our standard spool holds uh, 120 yards of 12 pound monofilament. The high capacity spool holds 175 yards of 12 pound. So for guys that want to use 20 pound mono or 20 pound fluorocarbon or 80 pound braid, now you've got a spool that holds plenty of line. And it, how easy it is, is it to install? If you go down and you own an art and reel, and you go down, okay, and you're showing me, and this is on yeah. the, the... Flip the switch. Pull out this thing, out it comes, put it back in. My it's goodness. quick as I said it, didn't it? It, it absolutely was. Yeah. Well, that is great. And I know you, I, I can identify with the uh, small reel, small uh, capacity issues. Now, I see that you've got spinning spinning reels back on the, on the table here. Right. This is our first spinning reel. We started shipping it about a month ago. It's a, uh, it's a full bass size, 2,500 size reel. We built it uh, very strong internally. We've gotten a lot of compliments from real repair uh, people here at the show that have looked at it and said this reel is really built well. We're really impressed with that. Like all Arden reels, we build them very tight internally when they're new. We want them to actually wear in, not wear out. Our philosophy is don't build a reel for store performance, build it for on the water performance. These spinning reels are built very well with uh, Rosemary Harris of Outdoor Adventure Kids and uh, Outdoor has a complete line of uh, fishing uh, equipment out for the youngsters this year. Can you just tell me a little bit about your product? Well they are completely lead free. The paint and the paint on the reels and the rods are lead free. Uh, we have the Miss Fisherman line with uh, and the colors that we have purple, we have pink, there's even green. Um, there's a junior fisherman line that's colors of red and blue, but they're all they're lead free. They've got shorter uh, handle grips for the kids, 
There's four ball bearings in the rails, making it a lot easier casting action. Um, there's two sizes. There's the four and a half, that's a two section, and there's a three and a half, that's one one section. And it's just uh, you know right size to fit them. Uh, for the kids, and also it's not a toy. They're the real McCoy. Okay, this is not this is not our old Snoopy rod. This is no, okay. no, definitely not. Okay, and I see some pretty. I see mm -hmm. I see a pink rod down there, and I think mm -hmm. I see a purple rod. Yes. But you have other colors. We have a green as well. Yep. Okay, and a green as well. Yeah, for the girls. Okay, mm -hmm. well now the pink's not for the girls. Pardon me. The pink is not for the girls. Oh yes, the pink is for the girls <laughs> definitely. But I mean, hey. <laughs> okay. Now, or is this or is this blue, pink and blue, like at the hospital? There? Oh no, no, that's that's our purple, our mauve or lavender color um, that you can call. Okay, do you have? Spool. You have a number of sizes. And, uh, I yep, see. the the two main sizes of uh, the four and a half and the and the three and a half. Um, rods. Okay. That's, it, it, yeah, and length length and rods, and uh, yeah, because uh, you know sometimes these rods are just too long for the kids to use, and really to, you know, they want to fish like mom and dad. Right. And they like the colors, so. And you've got the reels to match the rods. That's right. That's right. So aluminum spools and and the four ball bearings in them too. You know, just out outside of a toy, because um, uh, just a lot easier casting action and and they can you know have their own stories to tell when they catch those fish. And <laughs> okay. And are these so, available in the store now, or well, right we'll, we'll now be seeing them? Or? Well, right now they're online and they're in some tackle stores in our uh, in our area. We're from St. Thomas, Ontario. Okay. And uh, but yeah, they're available online. Well, tell us how so, we can buy them. Well, if you go to www.outdooradventurekids.com, um, you'll see everything there and, okay. and accessories there. Okay. Yeah. So outdoor adventure. I can yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. I was walking down the aisle here at iCast, and, and uh, a video caught my eye of uh, of a of a truly bleeding bait. Uh, it's called squirt baits. Uh, by Buckethead Lures. I'm here with Mark Rice of uh, Buckethead Lures. Uh, tell me about your bait. Well, I, you know, I, I wanted to get the attractant to the fish, and I was tired of doing all the sprays that was getting everywhere on me, my partner, my boat, and I was wondering, you know, we're spraying it, it's hitting the water, and it's washing off. And I was thinking, how can I get it down to the fish? How can I keep it there? And it just came to me. Instead of spraying on it, let's fill it. So I went home, I played in the garage a little bit, and uh, I came up with a, with a bait that I could fill. Okay, now what I'm seeing here, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically just a little valve, a little uh, well that you pour your uh, attractant in, and you, and you also sell the attractant. No, no, I leave that up to them because everybody has their own. Okay. Everybody likes their own special attractant. Okay, okay. Uh, tell me just about your line. How many, how many, it's a crankbait, and uh, well, I have both. Like I've, I've got crankbaits, I've got some topwater models. Um, these are my favorites, so I started with these first. Okay. Uh, I've got 16 other planned models. Okay. I'm a snook fisherman, I've got a shrimp that's coming out. I'm a permit fisherman, I've got a crab that's coming out. Um, I've got a popper that's coming out. But I've got two style crankbaits, a shallow runner, a deep runner, and then I've got the top water uh, spook model. Okay, now I see here that your bait comes with a bait with a with the lure itself uh, and and a squirt bottle, and, and this bottle fits the lure. Okay. Yes, sir. Tell me about that. And, yep. But you, you can put whatever. Any attractant you like. Um, okay. Everybody has their own flavor. Okay. Um, I basically leave that up to them. I add a little red dye to mine 
So that it, as you saw, it, it looks more like blood. Okay. Well, great. I appreciate it. Well, Steve, you know, that had to be a lot of fun being able to. That kind of wraps up uh, the interviews from, from ICAST, but that had to be a lot of fun just being out there and, and seeing all the, the new trends in the industry. Oh, man, I was a kid in a candy store. It's it's incredible. Uh, just just the sheer volume of, of stuff out there. Uh, you run into a lot of friends out there. You see a lot of fishing celebrity types out there. It's just, uh, it's just, I can't wait to get back next year. Well, what kind of sticks out, like out of the last three uh, interviews that we just did here? Was there anything in particular? You know, obviously you picked them for a reason with Ardent and 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 the three interviews that you did. Well, you know, Ardent is a. They're kind of a complete real company you know they don't just uh sell you a very quality reel which they they do have a great reel but uh this new uh the interchangeable spools that they're working with uh you know i'm an old fly fisherman and i like that i that, that's just a great concept to, if i want to go from braid to uh monofilament or to fluorocarbon to be able to just change out a spool that's a fantastic and and you know that should have been here earlier but arden brought that to us and then of course uh uh, and then, of course, with their line of reels and their equipment, they bring in all the all the maintenance uh, equipment and materials, and, and that's just so critical. Like like uh, like the, like David Gray told me, you know, you clean your guns and you take care of your guns. Why wouldn't you do the same for your reels? No question, no questioning. Especially throwing, you know, the way that they're used today, various conditions from. Uh, you know, throwing that braid, which isn't the easiest line to, uh, you know, to it certainly test out your drag on the reel, that's for sure. But, you know, just the fact that they went out and actually designed a whole lubrication line specifically for fishing reels, you know, that speaks volumes. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad that uh, glad that you had a great iCast experience, and we appreciate you doing that and bringing us that information. Hey, I'm ready to go back next year. Yeah, well, I'm going to be with you next year. I can <laughs> promise you that. So, well, unfortunately, Steve, we are out of time. It's, you know, it's amazing of how quick that time goes by. Well, it is, and uh, you know I've been accused in my life of being a little long-winded, so I'm just scratching the surface yeah. here. But hey, I had a blast. Well, unfortunately, we've got to get out of here. But next week we have another great show and interviews, and once again, uh, we're going to be giving away some of those, uh, some more of those great prizes. But I appreciate you filling in for Dan as Outdoors Dan will will be joining us next week. Next week. But uh, in the meantime, be sure to visit us at BassEdge.com for Steve Brigman. I'm Aaron Martin, and thanks for listening to the Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.